a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor song. What a great intro, great bumper video to kind of set the, the stage for what we're going to talk about today. Um, but before we, we get to the message, I, I want to, uh, to tell you guys some news that, uh, that's pretty exciting to me, at least. Um, you know, I think it's good news for the church, too, because I, I got a letter this week that, that told me I'm going to be a millionaire. And, and you won't have to pay my salary anymore. Um, because I'm a millionaire. It, it, it says it right here on this. There's skeptic, skepticism. No, you, you're going to be a millionaire too, Lois? That's awesome. Um, do, you ever, do you ever hear something that you think is too good to be true? Um, that's one of those things. You know, we took this financial class and Dave Ramsey was giving this Christmas present away for one person and a friend. And, and I, I, I entered every day. You could enter one time a day. I entered every day because I just knew that I was going to win. I didn't. Somebody in Louisiana won. I don't know why they're better than us in Wyoming. But, um, or have you ever seen that commercial on television? Uh, drives me absolutely crazy and... And now I drive my wife crazy because I say it drives me crazy whenever it comes on the television. Out loud, and she gets annoyed by it. But it's, it's the lady that says, I got this television for $10, right? You, are you with me? Um, the bids are only a penny, right? They, the, the thing only bids up a penny at a time. And, and I always say out loud, read the fine print, read the fine print, because the fine print, if you read it, um, well, actually, it doesn't tell you in the fine print, but you have to go to the website and you have to sign up in order to find out how much every one of those penny bids cost. Because you see, it costs you a, a more than a dollar per bid to bid on that. So I'm thinking, you know, gosh, if it goes up a penny at a time and that TV costs $10, okay, and every person bid a penny and every bid costs you, let's just say a dollar, okay, that's $1,000 for that television, right? But she only paid 10 and then she makes this statement that she says, and I've won over 150 auctions. And I'm like, great, and you've maxed out all of your credit cards to do it, right? Um, there are things, especially this time of year, that we, that we see that, that you think, they've, it's just got to be too good to be true. Right? They, they have machines that, that say that, that you, you can leave, you can turn it on, and you, come, you can come back, and your, your house is vacuumed. Right? Um, too good to be true, right? You come back, and the cat's missing, and the... 
That, you're right. That is not too good to be true. That would be great. I might have to get one of those things. Um, but this is the time of year when, when we see things and we think, you know, and we get skeptical in our culture today. And, and, and as you think about, as we think about the Christmas story, we've talked about it over and over. If you're 40 years, for four, if you're 40 years old, for 40 years you've heard the story. You've heard about the characters and all of that. And, and it can just kind of become tradition. And we sort of lose the sense of what it really is and what really happened. And, and so this morning, um, as we enter into this season, which is nothing short of crazy, it's amazing, it's awe-inspiring, um, it's beyond any cinematic production that Hollywood could ever do or come up with. And, and on, in some way, shape, or form, it almost seems too good to be true. I know there are people in our culture who say that that's just too good to be true. It can't happen that way. It's too easy, or, or there's no way that it could have happened this way. It's just all made up. But it is real. It really happened. I mean, the creator of the universe, the God of all things, all-powerful, present everywhere in all times, planned a rescue mission to come to this planet, to these people, to us, and to save us. And He did that by becoming one of us. And for a time, He gave up His place in heaven. Um, What incredible love that is to give up an amazing position Jesus did. Paul reminds us of this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Speaking of Jesus, he says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. It seems too good to be true, but it's not. We celebrate something during this season that is supernatural. I mean, it's, it's miraculous what we're talking about here. What happened a little over 2,000 years ago. Uh, angelic appearances. Angels appeared to people. There were prophecies. There were, there were prophecies hundreds of years before this time that are being fulfilled in the events that are occurring. And today we look at one of those such events that happened in Zechariah and Elizabeth's lives. And this is nothing short of incredible. And, and as I've thought about it this week, I, I, I read something in, a, in the People's Bible Commentary. John Drury, he says this, There is something remote, even legendary, about it. it. It has the general tone of a rich and resonant fairy tale. Once upon a time, there were two old people, a husband and his wife. And it is, in the strict sense of the word, exotic. It's outside of what we would say is normal, what we would say is real. And Luke records this, and he knows who we're going to be reading it. He knows that it's outside the normal for those who are going to be reading it. And that's us this morning. And we take a look at the drama that Luke unfolds amid the scenery of a world far and a long time ago. There are times when it seems too good to be true. Even for the people experiencing what's going on firsthand. They're in it. They're living it. They're seeing it. Um, But it isn't too good to be true. It is real history recorded by eyewitnesses. Enduring time, in fact, thousands of years, and we continue to celebrate it today. And it's not just history for history's sake, because we can have history for history's sake. I have lots of that history. 
Much of it that I learned growing up, I've forgotten. But just information for information's sake. And, and what we celebrate is not a celebration simply as a tradition, but what we celebrate is an amazing thing that occurred that is transformative in all of life. And this transformation is literal and measurable. It's not something that we just say, oh, oh yeah, your life has changed. Yeah, my life has changed. Well, I can measure it. I can tell you the changes that have occurred. I am different today because of the power of Jesus and His transforming mercy and love in my life. Are you? Are you different today? If you have Jesus Christ in your life today, is, is your life different today than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago? I mean, I'm, I'm a completely different person, and that in and of itself is nothing short of miraculous. You know, I took a few trips down memory lane this last week, and, and I was filling out an application for something, and I was supposed to remember a bunch of stuff, and, you know, the, the person actually in the application, it says on there, um, I'm giving you permission to brag about yourself. Holy smokes. Dangerous words to tell me. And, you know, it's interesting. There was a lot of cool things that happened in my life with sports and music and those kinds of things. But, but as I honestly, at my age, look back and I reflect on those things and I re- read some of the statistics and I look at some of the things that happened, I'm like, there's no way that could have been me. There's no way. It was abnormal what, what I got to experience and be a part of. And, and as I look back on that, I say, you know what, God, God's hand was on me. You know, I don't, I don't know that God cares what team wins what state championship or not, but I know God cares about individual people, and I know that individual experiences can transform our lives in certain ways. And what God allowed me to do and be a part of transformed me in certain ways. The miraculous and the supernatural, and they're rooted in our reality, in life, and in history. Um, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, which is where we're going to pick up the story. And, and, and I, I, love, I love the details of these stories and these accounts and, and, and looking at each different aspect. And, and I'm going to try and not get lost in the details this morning. Um, try and stay with some big picture things, but we're going to get into some details. Let's, let's begin in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Now, this this King Herod was, in fact, the king of the Jews. He was the one who, who uh, politically, he controlled the Jews. He was the one who Jesus was crucified under. This is that Herod. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Let's stop there. Zechariah and Elizabeth were a normal couple, married couple, just like, just like we are here today. They, they bled red blood. They breathed oxygen. Um, just like us. Uh, Zechariah was a priest. He was a pastor. Um, he was a part of an amazing group of people. And, and what they did, uh, I mean amazing as in big, um, and, and what they did was they took care of the temple, they taught people scripture, they led worship services, and, and they, did, uh, they burned the incense and stuff in the temple as was required by the law. 
So I would, I would assume that their, their normal everyday life was not a whole lot different than yours and mine. Um, and for some, they may, you may be similar to them in this sense. Elizabeth was barren. They had no children. They were unable to have children. Now, as, as hard and as difficult as that is in our own culture today, it was hard and difficult in their culture in addition to just you know, not having that fulfillment of a desire that you have in your life. Um, Elizabeth and Zechariah... Um, they're they're going to have no grandkids. They're not going to have anybody to take care of them when they get older. That was one of the, the major things about uh, people in this culture is they cared for one another as families. I mean, when somebody got married, they added another room onto the house. You came and you lived in that room. And as your parents aged, when they got to an age where they couldn't cook and, and clean and do things for themselves, the kids took over that role and, and did that for them. And so this was a major, major deal. It was a stigma in their culture to, to not have a child. And this is where the miraculous part of the story begins, at least as far as Zechariah and Elizabeth are concerned. We, we know that, that, that God has been doing miraculous things for all time, since time began. You know, there's been this interweaving of the scarlet thread throughout the course of history as God prepares and, and leads, works His way up to this moment in history that's about to happen that's going to transform the universe to never be the same again. Now, Zechariah, when we look at his priestly service, there were 20,000 priests in Israel at this time. And, and I can't even imagine coming up with the work schedule for 20,000 people, right? So what they did was they divided the 20,000 into divisions of about 1,000. And then each division was given a certain number of weeks or days in which they were to serve in the temple. And as our story unfolds, Zechariah's division, the division of Abijah, is the one serving in the temple at this particular time of this particular event. And the way that they would determine who gets to go in and light the incense in the holy place, not the holy of holies, which was a once a year time, but in the holy place, they cast lots. It, it was like buying a raffle ticket, right? I don't know if they wrote their names on rocks and put them in a bag and one guy reached in and pulled out the rock and it's like, hey, in this particular time it was Zachariah. It just so happened to be Zechariah. What a chance, right? What a privilege out of a thousand to get to go in. And in verse 8, if you look at there, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. It just so happened, okay? Think about these details. Okay, God is going to do something in time. Um, he's going to do it the way He's said He's going to do it for hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay, this is how big our God is. Out of 20,000 people, He puts the one person in the place that He needs them to be, and that's Zechariah. Okay, Zechariah is chosen, not by chance, it says by lot, but we know better, don't we? God put Zechariah in that temple on that day. And then we see that an angel appears before him, and this angel gives him good news. I mean, it's, it's incredible news. There is no news better than what Zechariah receives right here in the temple. 
Good news. Look at verse 10. Let's continue reading. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Every response of every person we ever see recorded in Scripture, when someone is confronted with or interacts with an angel, what is their first response? Fear. This is an unnatural being. This is not normal. Number one, they just appear out of nowhere. And, and I don't know what they look like. Um, have you ever had somebody in your household scare you in the middle of the night or hide behind a corner and jump out and startle you? Okay, Zachariah is startled right here. Okay, And the angel pulls out his you know, angelic conversational... Uh, book 101, and gives him the first line that every angel is taught in interaction with human beings. He says those four words. Be not afraid. Do not be afraid. And then he says this. Five words. Remember these. Your prayer has been heard. And then he goes on, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You see, the good news was this. God answers prayers. God answers prayers. The angel says, your prayers have been heard. Okay, now let's think about that for a second. What prayer do you think he is answering? Because I, I think back to history and I think, of, uh, I, I think of Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah was barren, right? She wasn't able to have children. And then, and then God comes on the scene and He says, you know what, I'm going to do an amazing thing through you, Abraham and Sarah. Your wife's going to conceive and you're going to have a child and you're going to be the father of a nation. Later we see uh, Elkanah and his wife, Aunt Hannah, and, and, and she is begging God to provide her with a child. She's barren as well. And she's... she's for the, she's in the temple praying on her knees and she's praying so hard and so fervently that, that the priest thinks she's drunk. And he confronts her on this and she says, this isn't the case. Oh, I just have this, I just have this desire to have a child. And God gives them a child. And, and, and initially what you might think is the, the, the prayer that, that the angel is saying is answered is is Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer to have a child. But think about this. If you're married here this morning, let's say, let's say for illustration's sake, you didn't have children. And let's say you were 75, 80 years old. Do you think you would still be praying to have a child? I don't think so. I don't think that's the prayer that the angel is answering. I think the, the, the Lord is answering the prayer that, that God would save His people. That He would come and save them. And because you see, up, up to this point in time, in, in, 
the timeline of history, for, four, for the last 400 years, there have been no prophets in the nation of Israel. God has not been speaking to people. They, they, have, been, they have been missing their God for 400 years. And I'm sure in those 400 years they have been desperate and things have been happening in their lives that they don't understand and, and they have been praying and praying and praying and praying that God would come and save them, that He would answer their prayers, that He would return once again to them and this is the day that that's going to happen. But then, now again, think about the details. Zechariah is in the presence of an angel. He's startled. He knows it's an angel. He's heard this incredible um, news, that, that this good news that God is going to answer his prayers. And, and then the angel describes how he's going to do it. And, and then Zechariah makes a mistake. Uh, look at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Zechariah's like, Are you nuts? Look at me! I am an old man. I'm wrinkled. My wife is well along in years. It would be crazy for her, for, for me to think that she would have a child. And I can't help but think that, that Zachariah, when he's saying this, he's got a grin on his face and a chuckle comes out. Kind of like a... It might be just a little bit too good to be true. Right? And so my question is, is Zechariah a realist, a pessimist, or is he faithless? And as I think of all of us in this room, I think all of us fit in that category, one of those categories, at some time in our life. I mean, Zechariah is just looking at the reality of the situation going, whoa, there's... No, no, this is not normal. People my age don't have children, Right? And, and he, he might be thinking in the back of his mind as a pessimist, you know, why would God, number one, yeah, I've been praying for this, but why now? You know, finding reasons why, why God wouldn't be doing this or shouldn't be doing this. And, and then the whole faithless thing, right? I, it, it's a good question. As I observe this, what I observe is the fact that Zachariah is human and so are you and so am I. And we all experience times in our life where we don't have faith, where we are pessimistic, where we are a realist about this situation and we think, yeah, I don't think God could really do this. It just seems too good to be true. He is, Zechariah is struggling as a priest in the temple, face to face with an angel. He's struggling with the supernatural. And I think this time of year, with all of the commercial stuff that comes with Christmas and all the advertising and all of that stuff, we struggle too to think about and pray about and meditate on the supernatural. Because that's what this is all about. We try to figure it out within our human reason why something happened the way it did. I've prayed for healing for people before. I've, I've visited people in the hospital. A young lady years ago was in a horrible car crash. Both her arms broken, both her legs broken. Was, was, had intracranial pressure that was beyond the limits for, for a week. I mean, that's what we were praying for. And, and that, God, I mean, there is no way they should have survived that, but they did. And, and, and we had so many people praying, and God, God healed her. 
And I still caught myself in my humanity trying to come up with reasons and, and medical fixes why she was able to get through what she did. Why is that? Our humanity fights the supernatural. But the supernatural is real. And we have it recorded right here. There are things in our lives that just don't compute. Like salvation, for instance. It makes no sense as a human thinking about it. Why, why would you ever give somebody something that they don't deserve? In fact, they deserve the opposite. Why, why would you freely give that? But God is God and we are not. It's a gift. It's unearned. And, and in, Zachari- in Zachariah's case, um, there are, there's consequences for his unbelief here. Um, the angel goes on, and, and as I've, I've pictured this this week, as I've tried to picture this interaction, I picture the angel Gabriel. He, he says that this is who I am. I'm the, I'm the angel Gabriel. Um, I picture him, and somebody said, like Gandalf the Great when he's talking and to, to, to Bilbo, right? And, or to Frodo. And he, he gets really big, right? And, and I, can, I can just hear the angel's voice getting deeper and deeper and louder and louder. And, and he goes on in verse 19. He says, I am Gabriel! I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. Unbelief. Which will come true at their proper time. So, Zechariah is going to have a bit of time to think about what he's seen and heard today. Nine months, actually, in silence, unable to speak. A forced time of silence and solitude. But as we continue to read, we see that God is faithful, incredibly faithful. Despite our disbelief and our unfaithfulness, He is faithful, isn't He? God doesn't pull the plug on the whole thing and say, oh, Zachariah didn't believe me. That's it. You know, the world loses. Sometimes we put that kind of pressure on ourselves. We, we think to ourselves, if I don't do this perfectly right, just the way that I think God wants me to do it, I'm going to screw it up. And the whole intercontinental United States is going to be unsaved and it's going to be all my fault. Zachariah is human. We are human. Zachariah screwed up. But you know what? God still worked. God still did what he was, said he was going to do, didn't he? So, so he is gracious. There is forgiveness available for us. I, can you imagine being... Could you imagine me unable to speak for nine months? I would go nuts in the first six hours, probably. But, but can you imagine how much time you would have to think and pray and interact with God? And, and my hope is that in this Christmas season, that as you do the things that you do as a tradition for your families, that, that it doesn't become all about that, but it becomes about celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. God is faithful. You see, uh, Paul 
says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God begins the work. He's going to finish it. Yeah, we're going to screw up. We're going to make mistakes. We're, we're not going to believe and trust sometimes. But I guarantee you, Zechariah comes face to face with another angel. There's not going to be any sense of disbelief in his, in his heart, in his mind. He's going to believe it because he's seen it. He knows God is true and that God is faithful. So in Zechariah and Elizabeth's case, Elizabeth conceives. Um, in her old age, she gets pregnant. And not only that, but she successfully carries to full term and gives birth to a healthy baby boy and mother and child are okay. Either God is miraculously working in, in that case or they had an incredible midwife, right? And a child is born. And then they name this child John. Let's look at verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. It was a family affair. Everybody showed up for the birthing, right? On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. Everybody gathers around on that day too. Everybody's there. And they were going, they, this is interesting to me, they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, how would you like your family to name your children? That's what was about to happen. And, and, and uh, Elizabeth's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. No, he is going to be called John. And they say to her, there's no one in your family by the name of John. Why on earth would you name your child John? And so they said, well, we're going to go over Elizabeth's head and we're going to ask Zachariah what he wants to name the child. And so he grabs a tablet, it says right there. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And right then, in that moment, his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed. And he began to speak. And what's the first thing that he does? He praises God. Well, I guarantee you, if my mouth had been shut for nine months, I'd be praising God too. I can speak again. But it's way more than that. It is way more than that. The neighbors were all filled with awe, it says. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all of these things. Twitter feeds and Facebook pages were ripe with the news of what just happened. I mean, it's going everywhere. Everyone who heard this wondered about asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. The Lord is showing up again. It's been so long. And he's here. He's here. Remember, God is faithful. Israel was desperate. And sometimes we get desperate too, don't we? We just wonder, God, what's going on in my life? I mean, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. But, but you need to understand and you need to remind yourself and be reminded this morning that God is faithful. For all of those years and years and years that Elizabeth and, and Zechariah didn't have a child, wondering, God, why, why? Why am I barren? Why? 
Why are you not showing up? Where are you? What's going on? And, and continually, Zechariah prayed and prayed and prayed that God would come and save His people and God has come. Zechariah knew what John was going to be. Because God had told him, right? The angel told him exactly what John was going to do. And he had nine months to memorize it and think about it and pray about it and praise God for it. And now Zechariah, with his very own eyes, is seeing this unfold, this not normal, supernatural, miraculous thing that actually happened in the history of our world. And we celebrate that at this Christmas season. So what, what, what is Zechariah's response? It's worship. He worships. In verse 67, he begins, he said, says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come and has redeemed His people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. As He said through His holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath He swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. You see, Zechariah worships God as Redeemer. Jesus is Redeemer. He is Savior. Because he has come and has redeemed his people. The, the language here is amazing. Redeemer. He's raised up a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David. You see, we skipped over a section in, the, in Luke, didn't we? You had to skip over a couple important, kind of important stories, right? Well, who was Mary? Mary was a relative. Another one of those coincidences, right? In the line of David. Oh, God, it's, it's just amazing. And, and as you think about Jesus' Redeemer and as you think about Him as your Savior coming to save you from your sin and, 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 and the poor choices you've made in life and just the state of our humanity, you might, you might be thinking to yourself, you know, Pastor Dave, that's just too good to be true. There isn't anybody that really cares about me in this world. You know, if you believe that, um, hear this. There is somebody in this world that, that cares deeply about you. And his name is Jesus. He is Redeemer. And, and also, God does what he says he will do. God said John was coming. God said that Elizabeth was going to bear a child, and she did. God said hundreds and hundreds of years ago that He was going to send someone, and He has. God does what He says He will do. 
Micah, Ezekiel, Isaiah. In fact, Luke quotes Isaiah as he speaks about John, John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 3, verses 3-6, through 6, it says, He went into all the country around the Jordan, John the Baptist preaching, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for Him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. Isaiah 40, verse 3. See, they were praying for... They wanted to be relieved from their enemies. The nation of Israel was constantly in conflict with people. That was one of their prayers. And, and, and uh, Zechariah prophesies right here that, that they will be freed from their enemies, from the hand of all who hate them. That God will show mercy on them and that He is going to fulfill the promise that He made to His father Abraham. But then he says something fairly telling in verse 77, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Through the forgiveness of their sins. Not just a covering over by the blood of a lamb or a sacrifice, but the actual forgiveness that comes from the Lamb of God, His Son, Jesus Christ. And this is all because of the tender mercy of God. And then, then He describes Jesus in, in some incredible imagery um, the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in shadow of death. You see, we have the knowledge of salvation. It's here in God's Word. It's described very clearly to us. God, says what he, God does what He says he, he will do. We have the knowledge of salvation. And finally, Jesus is our guide. He says it right there in, in verse 79. To guide our feet into the path of peace. Jesus is our guide. Walmart's not our guide. Santa Claus is not our guide. The Grinch who stole Christmas is not our guide. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world who came to this planet in flesh, and, and, the, and, and God who worked out all of the details as we look through the course of the next three weeks, how He did it, it's amazing to me. And, and I, what I want us to leave here with today is the fact that even when we fail, even when we screw up, even when we lack faith that God will do what He says He's going to do, He's still working. He still works. He still works. And that is so... It just... It's freeing to me. All, all this week, I just catch myself smiling. It's just like, God, you are so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Because I screw up. I lack faith. But even before I was blue sky, even before my parents were blue sky and their parents and their parents and their parents and on and on and on, God was working. And He's still working today. So as we leave here and as we move into and through the Christmas season, 
in the midst of Christmas parties and all of those things that come along with the season, let's take the time to, to, to think on these supernatural, miraculous things and let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Glory to God on the highest. Jesus, thank You. Thank you for your words of encouragement to us this morning that even when we even when we fail, you're still working. Lord, I, I pray that that would just maybe that would be freeing to someone this morning, that they would recognize that that when they repent of, of their sin or their, a poor choice, that that as your word says that you are faithful and just when we when we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, maybe it, may it be all to Your glory. Lord, I pray that maybe there would be some some in in our our uh, church here today who would believe, put their faith and trust in You for the first time. Maybe something clicked this morning. Maybe, maybe as they looked at how You've worked in history, they recognized that You are real. Lord, I pray that they would confess their inability to save themselves and they would surrender their life to you as their Savior, as their Lord, as their Messiah. Lord, I pray for the rest of us as we go through this week that as we go through this season that it would it would be just a sweet, sweet time of worship to you, celebration of what you have done. Oh, we praise your name this morning in Jesus.